Welcome to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Good morning. Hi. I guess so. I guess everybody should know we're no longer in bed together. No, nope, nope. uh, we are not in, in my bed in Chicoteague anymore. We are in our respective homes where we should be um, online, back on Zoom, just looking at each other instead of sitting next to each other and staring bed, at a blank staring computer. At a computer. We are now back in our respective offices with our respective lives. Um, right where I was just telling Brandy how I have a case of the humdrums today and I'm bored and I'm it, which sounds stupid because I'm busy as shit, but it's like this weather, the fucking heat. And everybody's like, Oh, but you love the heat. And I do. I love the heat. You will never see me pick cold weather over hot weather. I will take this over a snowy day, any day of the week but we're on day like 36 of like over 90 degrees and the yeah. fucking humidity. And I'm just like, okay, like enough is enough. Can we have like a big fat thunderstorm? Can it cool off just enough for me to, cause for a while I would like in the evenings, I would take like a 30, 45 minute break between finishing client stuff and cooking dinner and go sit on my back deck, you know, my back patio, listen to a book or podcast, you know, and just kind of enjoy yeah the cool, you know, the weather or whatever. And I'm like, I can't, I don't even want to. It's It's too hot. hot. I'm not even going to see my neighbors, you know, across the fence set because nobody's outside. It's too fucking miserable. I know. I know. Kind of over it, but I'll get my shit together. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but I I have something else I wanted to tell you because I think you'll, you'll, you might like this. So I caught on the news yesterday and you know, and people who know me, cause we've talked about this before, right? Like I'm not the politics girl, but I am trying to like understand it better and like get more into it. And, uh, governor Hogan came out with a book and I downloaded it. Oh, did he? It. Yes. And so it's called, I'm still standing. And so it's about his, you know, it's, it's like how I survived like cancer and riots and pandemics and, um, so I literally am only on like, I think like chapter two, I just started listening to it this morning. It just came out today. You know, I saw him on the news, but I couldn't hear it because you know what my house sounds like. It's yeah. just constant screaming. Yep. Um, oh, well good for him. So I just came out. So I saw it last night and I was like, oh, well I have credits on audible. So let me just go on and add it to my list. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so it was like pre-order as of yesterday and I was got the, I was like, Oh, it's available today. So I was like, Oh, I'll start listening to it. It's just, it's interesting. And again, you know, like I think the politics part will, will be interesting, but I think why I find him so cool is that he's a local dude, right? Like, yeah. it's like, and it, so the very first part of the book is, is like him growing up. And of course, because I don't know shit about politics, I didn't realize his father was in politics. I didn't realize his father was like the only Republican that spoke out against um, Nixon. Um, he was like on the committee to like impeach Nixon, and he was like oh, the only Republican. To, yeah, so I'm like, so he was a senator. Up. His dad was a Republican Maryland senator. Um, I think he was. Yeah, so he was Congress, which is senators, right? Yeah. <laughs> You could also be, you could be in the house. Right, right. I can't. Okay. So that part, I don't know. But, um, you know, I'm, and I'm just, you know, now listening to it. So it's, you know, and it's cool to hear him talk about how he went to DeMatha. Eric went to DeMatha. Yeah. Right? Like, and, and um, you know, and how he lived in Landover. And he talks about like how the neighborhood that he grew up in then was all very like, you know, blue, blue collar. I mean, his dad was an ex-FBI agent. He's talking about how, you know, his mom was a homemaker 
you know, and all this stuff. And then, um, you know, he's talking about how, how, you know, it, it was a good neighborhood back then, but he said rough around the edges. He said, and of course now it's where everybody deals drugs and it's a rough neighborhood and you know, all that stuff. But, um, so anyway, I thought that was, uh, I think it's going to be cool. Listen. Yeah. That's yeah, super oh, cool. Oh yeah. And he did actually, he started off the book talking about how, how they discovered he had cancer five months into his first term. I don't um, remember. How long ago was that? Well, it was for his first term. Isn't this his second term? I, you know, I don't know. Um, so, um, I probably, I, I guessing it has the year. I probably just, you know, missed that. Or maybe he was just talking about, it was five months into his first term when he found, a, when he found the giant, he was in South Korea doing some trade deals and like realized he was like being, he was like exhausted all of a sudden and he found this what kind giant. Of cancer? Well, he had, um, don't oh it was lymphatic so they he, he discovered it because it was like this giant like he's like Ooh. i grew an adam's apple overnight like what's that giant lump on my neck <sighs> and then he went to you know his doc it was you know it's interesting he's like went to his doctor he's like i don't think it's a big deal it's probably just a cyst sent him to a specialist and they're like oh i don't think it's a big deal it looks like blah but i'm gonna send you to another specialist and then that specialist was like yeah probably not a big deal we're gonna do some ct scans and then it was like CT scan of his neck, and then the guy, then the doctor came back. He's like, "Yeah, we're gonna do some CT scans of your of your chest." And then he leaves and comes back. He's like, "Yeah, we're gonna do some CT scan." And this is all in like one doctor's appointment. Yeah, we're gonna do your abdomen. And he said, "Next thing I know, there's three doctors in the room." He's like, "This isn't fucking good." And he had something like forty tumors all over his body. Oh god. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean that, and that's kind of how the book starts off. So I'm not very far into it. I'm just, oh, cool. but yeah. So aren't you proud of me? Yeah, I think that's awesome. Well, I'm reading a politics book. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's priming the pumps for. Oh, a he run, absolutely is. Which you know, do it, like do it. Go absolutely. for it. I might actually have something I can get behind. There you go. If that's the case. Um, I just heard that the Dr. Fauci baseball card was the highest selling baseball card in history. And so much so that I went out looking for it and I don't even know where the hell you buy it. Cause I was like, Oh, I, I need one of those. Like I need a Dr. Fauci Nats baseball card, but I, I just want a Dr. Fauci bobblehead. I'm going to get one of those for my office. He Man, makes me smile. I know he's my favorite. I, yeah. Him and Hogan. Isn't that the ticket that you're yeah. pushing for? Hogan, oh, Hogan Fauci. Hogan President Fauci for Hogan Fauci president. 2024. <laughs> Uh, you know what? You might find me actually, um, you know, being part of that uh, campaign. All You're going to get like, so. but serious about politics all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be like, what in the hell happened to this girl? Hey, what is going me. on? Fine with me. Yeah. Uh, so anywho, we don't have a lot yep. to catch up on because we've been together nonstop. Yep. So, yep. So, um, we're going to do our second in um, our series. And uh, so the first one we did was on um, pre-prep, right? So mm -hmm. this is going to be the second. And uh, we're calling this our, you know, to go along with our what to expect when you're expecting. God nope. damn it. Nope. <laughs> what to expect when you're competing book, which is right here in front of me. Um so I'm kind of, so when I, when I'm putting this out on our uh, podcast site, you know, I'm calling it the kind of like what to expect, kind of like expanding on yeah. things oh, we talk about idea. in the book. Yeah. Um, so the first, you know, the four part series, so the first one was pre-prep and this one's going to be the kind of the prep or the cutting phase. And then the next one will be the peak week and uh, show day stuff. And then we'll get into reverse and recovery. So 
So right. that's kind of the order of events. Um, <clears throat> and with, without a doubt, prep and peak week stage will be the most popular and what most people want to know about, right? Because that's Probably. the, that is the shiny object. But unfortunately, <laughs> the pre-prep and the reverse are the most important part of they, the athletic cycle. Are. You're but, so right. You know, so I'm just saying, if, my point in saying that is if you just tuned in because you just want to know what prep is like, because that sounds sexy, please listen to this and then play the rest of the series because <laughs> it all matters equally. Right. And I think we even talked about the importance. So when we were talking about the pre-prep stuff, I think mm-hmm. we flat out said, like, if this, if you, if you only do the shiny objects part, right, which is the, you know, which is what everybody, you know, that it, everybody wants to diet and everybody wants to be on stage. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to do the hard fucking boring right. ass work that happens in between. Right. So right. that's, but that is what will make a true physique athlete over somebody who's just kind of like a one and done, or I just want to do this for fun. Right. right. So people who are truly serious about being an athlete in this sport will do that pre-pep work and the reverse work and the, you know, all the stuff in between and not just right. on the shiny objects. But um, so if you're just listening to this, cause all you want to do is diet and get lean for the stage, then I'm going to call you out and tell you're not a real athlete. So bye. Well, and you're just going to make your life harder. And, you know. (laughs) So bye. (laughs) You're you're going to make life hard on yourself and on your coach. And just to put it in context for maybe people who aren't competing per se, everybody has seen the Facebook magazine, whatever articles about 12 weeks to stage, right? 12 weeks. Here's a 12-week program. Well, what those... Yeah, what those cut and paste programs are trying to articulate is a final prep. What is often misunderstood is those are not a couch to stage 12-week program. Nope. It's the final 12 weeks of prep that we are going to talk about today. And in fact, we don't even do 12 weeks. It's more like the final 24 weeks, quite frankly. Yeah, Usually yeah. 24-ish I, is I would really say minimum- what we typically say. Yeah, 16 to 24 to as long as 30. I mean, it really depends on the client. But I would say, you know, the starting point of any prep, right? So if we're going to preface what we're talking about here um, in this episode, it is because I think we talked about it in, in the first in the first episode, did you hear my stupid phone? It's a constant. He's always like, I didn't understand that. It's because I'm not fucking talking to you. Um, yeah, so we talked about this, like, it, the pre-prep phase is get somebody to that, like, 15%-ish body fat, already has a good amount mm-hmm. of muscle, calories are up, cardio's down, you know, we're kind of had that met- metabolism primed, I call it, you know, kind of priming the metabolism, I like to use that term with clients, kind of helps them understand, like, this is what we're doing through all this time, and now we can, right, so if we are around that 15% body fat, ish mm-hmm. um we can say okay let's pull the trigger let's pick a show in the time frame we think it'll take you to get properly conditioned right which mm-hmm. again so we'll start looking you know minimum 16 weeks but probably more like 20 to 25 yeah. weeks out let's see what shows there are in that time frame and that will work you know schedule wise um 
And that's when we pull the trigger and go into the prep, quote, in air quotes, or cutting phase, right? Yeah. And so just to continue on that timeline phase, to give people an example, our athletes who plan to compete in the spring will begin prep right after the holidays, early January. Some of them start sooner, depending on what, what time in the spring, right? Well, I mean, and some of mine will start like soft prep before Thanksgiving, just so yeah. things don't get out of control. Yep. But that's what we're talking about. So if you if we have an athlete who's competing in April, May, around Christmas is when we are getting ready to start prep. That's yep. how far out this prep cycle is. So we kind of, I think, highlighted the misunderstood time frame. Now, why don't you like try to succinctly define what prep is for the layman? So prep is all about cutting body fat and maintaining muscle, right? Mm-hmm. So so the most the the best conditioning on stage is the athlete that comes in with nice full round muscles, low enough body fat to see the nice full round muscles and a little bit of a hard again it depends on the division that you're competing in, but proper conditioning for your division, right? So it means we got to see your muscle, you should have, you know, a, a low enough level of body fat and so it's not a dieting contest, right? right? So it's not like the person who gets the skinniest wins, right? So right. so as a coach, it's it's our job to balance how steeply we're cutting calories along with how steeply we're increasing cardio, um, you know, making sure that training is sufficient within all of that to maintain muscle mass, right? So so it's balancing the the macronutrients, the proteins, carbs, and fats to make sure that, you know, that there's enough energy for training. There's enough protein to maintain muscle because this is not a muscle building phase, right? So right. I hear people talk all the time, God bless their little hearts, but, you know, they come into the studio for posing and they work with other coaches. I get to hear these stories and... And, uh, and I'm seeing how much body fat they have to lose, mm-hmm. right? And they're talking, and they're in a cutting phase. And usually, some of the, you know, some of the diet plans that they're on are fucking like <laughs> insanity, right? Like it's yeah. like, oh, you're 20 weeks out, and you're eating a thousand calories a day, and your coach is telling you that you're also building muscle at the same time. Right. Sorry, <laughs> right. that's not, not possible. That's not happening. Um, but anyway, so it's not. It's not to say that some athletes can't build a small amount of muscle in at least the beginning phases of a cut. But once you get, you know, so low in, in calories, then no, this is not the muscle building phase. This is the, as we talked about in the first, um, the first episode, this is the unwrapping the gift, right? So all the work you did in that off season, this is now shedding the body fat. Let's see what we have there. Let's, you know, so it's, it's, it's perfecting, that right conditioning that did that answer what you wanted me to tell people? yeah yeah it is and I actually used that analogy yesterday in a check-in I have an athlete who's going to compete in the spring and we just finished the first little mini cut and we're going into building but she's still kind of obsessed with the scale and I had to explain like now we have to build a package if you just want to keep losing fat right now all we're going to be is skinny fat at the end of this so anyway I was just going to tell you I, I love the the package analogy. And that's really what the prep phase is, is unwrapping that package. It's, you know, it's taking away the body fat to see what you have under there. So you have to have something under there. Otherwise it's just skinny fat. Um, 
So, so that would mean we're putting the package together in the in the first phase, right? Right. Yeah. So a question that we're asked a lot is what body fat percentage do you try to have athletes at for stage? So, you know, there have been some you know, informational things put out, you know, that there's kind of like an average level of body fat you might consider for a bikini athlete to maybe be between like 10 and 12. And then maybe uh, for a figure athlete, a little leaner between like, I don't know, eight and 10. And then a bodybuilder physique competitor, um, obviously lower than that six, six to eight. But um, I would say I'll preface that with those body fat percentages are probably more so caliper level body fats versus like actual overall body fat. Meaning they're lower. Right. It's going to be a little lower than because it's that subcutaneous fat. And really that's what we're interested in because that's what's going to show your muscles or not show your muscles. Right. Mm -hmm. So your actual, you probably still have some fat around your organs and so on and so forth. And so it might be a little higher. So that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, But what I always preface that with is, because everybody wants to know, what do you think my stage weight is going to be? How much was mm-hmm. my body fat going to be? And how low are my calories going to be? I don't right. fucking know any of that shit, right? <laughs> so I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't fucking know. Especially if it's a client I've never worked with before. Right. Um, but what I'll preface that with is saying that everybody looks different at different levels of body fat. Mm-hmm. So even though I might say between 10 and 12, as a bikini athlete, you might, I might take your calipers the week before the show and that you're like 14 or 15, but you look fucking perfect for bikini because of your, your, your overall symmetry, your overall musculature, you know, all of those things. So I'm not going to necessarily try to get you leaner if you look perfect at that body fat percentage. So really it comes down to what do you look like? The numbers don't matter. Your scale, nobody on the judging panel knows your body fat. Nobody on the judging right. panel knows your fucking scale weight, nor do they give any fucks. It right. is how do you look? But in general, what I think is important for people to realize is you're somewhere probably around 10% body fat lower on stage than you will be in normal life. It's yes. a significant drop. And that I think that's often misunderstood and Um, shocking when people realize how lean you actually get. I mean, if you're walking around as an average woman in the 18 to 20% body fat range, you're in good shape, right? That's a nice, healthy athletic. Most people are walking around significantly higher than that. So to get down into that 10-ish range, that's hard ass work. And that's going past a point that your body wants to do. Oh yeah. It is, it is, you know, prep you know, will be uncomfortable. It will be miserable in many places. Um, You will get exhausted, like beyond exhausted that you have ever been exhausted in your entire life. You will be hungrier than you've ever been in your entire Mm -hmm. life. Um, And this is if it's, this is even if it's done the most optimally, the most healthfully. um, But if you're getting to the level of conditioning that you should be getting to for most people, this isn't everybody, but for most people, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be hungry. You're going to be tired. You're going to be cold. You're going to be weaker in the gym. You will lose strength in the gym. You absolutely will lose some strength in the gym. A lot of this happens the closer you get to show. You shouldn't be miserable 24 weeks out, right? You shouldn't be miserable and losing strength 24 weeks out. But, you know, six to eight weeks out, yeah, that shit's going to start to get pretty fucking hard. You will, some people will have to do lots of cardio 
And so here, so let's preface it with all these things we're talking about. There's no way in this podcast we can say everybody's going to do X amount of cardio. Everybody's going to do, you know, have this many calories, right? So there's no way to know that every client is, is totally different as they should be. Right. But, um, you know, some clients will be able to get away with doing a couple 30 minute list sessions, you know, a week Mm -hmm. and, and eating a shit ton of calories and still drop weight. And some people are going to be really goddamn miserable Uh, as painful as it is for me as a coach to have anybody eat a thousand calories or less. Right. Right. And and this would not be the whole 24 weeks, right? Like when we get into the last phases and you know, this, you've, you've done this with clients too, right? Sometimes shit gets pretty fucking extreme. So, you know, um, and as coaches, we are always going to balance the health of our clients with how extreme we're going to go. And some clients can go more extreme because they can handle it. And some, we simply know they can't. Right. right? So, and, you know, and then not be afraid to kind of like pull the plug if it's, if it's just not going to work. So that, that's, I think I just kind of like rambled through the entire thing in one one ramble session, but that's, those are just kind of like highlights of what a prep is like. Right. And you know, well, I think those are the questions that people often want to know is how bad is it going to suck? And for first time competitors, I kind of say, you know, take, unless they are coming as experienced athletes from another sport, but if you are not already an experienced athlete, take, take the suckiest situation you think you're going to have and double it because You know, it's kind of like having kids, right? You don't know how bad it's going to suck till you have one. You mean like, like no- today? Right, exactly. <laughs> like nobody can prepare you, right? You have to do it. So um, I, you know, I try to kind of frame that for athletes that are just getting into this, that it is going to be the hardest thing you're ever going to do because for the most part, Americans are not built for anything but comfort and convenience. Yep. And when anything gets uncomfortable or difficult, it becomes very, very challenging for people. The other biggest issue in prep is the lifestyle and getting to a point where people understand there's no room for mistakes, right? There's no, you know, well, my power went out and I didn't have a refrigerator, so I had to eat out all weekend. Or, you know, I had a wedding or I had my kid's birthday or I didn't feel good. Or I fell face first into the bag of tortilla chips. Right. And like I didn't that, mean to. That is the hardest part I think everybody has in prep that that shit just can't happen. And I competed twice in 97? No. 2004? I don't know. <laughs> 2004, 97 went Those are completely different well, uh, decades, but that's fine. <laughs> well, I was, going, I was like 97. I was like, no, I just graduated high school. I guess from 2004, 2005. And I had terrible preps because I did the, you know, going to go straight bro diet six days a week and then going to go out drinking and be Mm -hmm. hungover Saturday and Sunday. Yep. And, you know, that is not an efficient way to do it. And that's the biggest struggle I think people have in prep that you have to more or less turn off your life in order to be as extreme in the nutrition and training as you have to be. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a very selfish part of the sport, right? So um, there's no reason why you can't live your best life, you know, in your off season. And, you know, you know, as long as you stay consistent and on track and you keep your goals in mind, but when you are in that 
16, 12 week, eight week zone, right? There mm-hmm. is no room for fuckery. There just, there just isn't. There is no excuse for not being prepared at that point, which is why we spend all that time in pre-prep right. so people understand how this works, right? And then you do the kind of like the soft prep. I like how you term that. And then, you know, so this isn't a, hey, I'm going to walk in the room and turn on the fucking light and all of a sudden this shit just happens, right? right. Like it's, you, you, it's, yeah, all of, all of those things, right? Look, shit happens, mistakes happen, people fall face first into the, the cake at the wedding or whatever the fuck, you know, happens. Um, I'm not going to say if you fuck up, you're done and you're never going to get on stage, right? Because I, I fucked up on the regular when I prepped and still managed to come in and, and do what I needed to do. Um, but the point is you have to be prepared to be on, this isn't, this isn't a like wishy washy. Sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm not right. Like prep, prep has got to be head on straight blinders on focused on day in day out doing what you need to do to get to that, that, that level of conditioning for the stage. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So what is the most extreme you've ever had to go with a client in prep? Hmm. Um, so I'll say the most extreme, but because she could handle it and because we were trying to edge, and this is an experienced athlete. I'll, I'll just say it, it was Rebecca cause we've done an interview with her before. Um, and we, I really used her as kind of a test case for implementing intermittent fasting Mm-hmm. Um, because I, one, I know she had actually done some intermittent fasting in her previous life with a previous coach. Right. Um, so I knew she could handle it. Um, I knew her consistency, um, how consistent she had been with me for two and a half years before we ever even started prep. I knew she could handle it. Um, so I would say, you know, and, and so what we did in those cases, this, and this would be different for every athlete, but we kind of gave her off days that were, um, kind of like a very, not completely fasted, but like down to about 600 calories on Mm. her low days. But that also allowed her to have upwards of 14, 1500 calories, which may sound low to some people, but that's pretty high in the last four to six weeks, you know, of prep for some people. So, you know, the overall calories for the week were coming in like around a thousand by the time you Mm. average that out. Um, but, you know, as we're doing that, we're, we also started backing off of cardio at that mm-hmm. point, right? So it was almost all diet, very low intensity cardio at that point. So um, it was a, you know, it was a test case that I used with her that I am now successfully using with other clients. Um, but, you know, I do also, so right now I have a couple clients in prep that um, are extremely hard cases. The good thing is I also know that these particular clients can handle a little bit more of a suck fest than others mm-hmm. can. Um, and they're doing two a days of cardio. Yeah. Now we're all, we're talking about list cardio. Nobody's doing fucking, you know, 20, 30 minutes of hit in the morning and then another 30 minutes of hit in the afternoon. You know, I got calories low. We're doing, you know, low intensity cardio. Um, but again, it's just balancing, um, one, what the client can handle physically, mentally, um, how consistent they are with everything else. Um, but I would say Rebecca was probably the most extreme. And she also came in the leanest athlete we've ever fucking prepped for the stage. I mean, she was fucking ripped to shreds. And by the time she got on stage, she was, and she did three shows. 
by the time she got on stage, she was, she was back to eating 14, 15, 1600 calories a day doing like no cardio between, you know what I mean? Between yeah. shows one, two, and three, because she did the work to get there, but she had a 30 plus week prep too. Right. Well, and she had trained for two years before, right? Right. For pre-prep had been in pre-prep. And I think that that makes a big difference too. The more, absolutely. The more, not only obviously for conditioning reasons, but the more mentally you're used to implementing a plan and adjusting your lifestyle and you've already worked with the coach through all of the, what do mm-hmm. I do wins? Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew we, her body cause we worked together for so long. Yeah. And that's part of it too. And like you said, as coaches, it's how much can the athlete handle, right? Because, you know, we could take a client and beat the shit out of them to a point that they can't, they just can't do it or it's so horrible that it's a bad experience. But, you know, sometimes, especially, you know, I had a first time competitor this year who did amazing stuff, right. And leaned out fantastically for her and went pretty hard. Now, could we have gone even a little crazier and done it? Sure. But to what end, right. You know, she, she had plans for other seasons and you know, you don't want to make it super miserable. So this is probably a good time to talk about a lot of the don't do's and a lot of the rumors. And let's just dispel all of the bullshit that we've done in the past that was, might've been normal in the past or just plain out rumors when it comes to prep. Obviously we already talked about the timeline, right? There's no street to, there's no 12 week street to stage situation, period. End of conversation. That's all lies (laughs) well i will so i'll jump in there and say there are people who do do that but these are also the people who end up dieting so extreme that they diet off half of their muscle um mentally and physically so they come in skinny fat not actually conditioned for the stage or they don't come in lean enough at all and then they binge their fucking faces off after the show and gain back they, they lost 20 pounds in 12 weeks and then gained 40, you know, after the show because they've been, because it was so extreme, they bent themselves to death. Um, so yes, people do it, but that is not the right way to do it, nor will you look your best, feel your best, and you'll come out fatter than you did before you got on stage. I promise you that. And I would say probably <laughs> 99% of people couldn't do it anyway. Nope. You couldn't take the kind of diet, the thousand calorie or 800 calorie diet with two cardios a day and lifting. Yep. And dive into that for 12 weeks. Yep. Nope. From, not the, way, not the way to do it. So anyway, yes. So you're right. You know, we talk about bro diets, right? And some people might not understand what that is. So that's a term of endearment. It is. <laughs> it is. And so, you know, we, for the most part, use flexible dieting protocols with our clients, right? So I, I always tell people, I would rather teach you how to fish than give you fish, quite mm-hmm. literally, Right. Um, so we want people to make their own choices for foods that they eat. Um, I'm not a huge fan of overly restrictive meal plans. Um, although admittedly I have had to, you know, tuck my tail between my legs a little bit and conform a little bit because I just realized that some clients just excel so much better on a meal plan. So we do utilize them from time to time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say the typical bro diet, right? Is, so I will say what I was on for mm-hmm. many of my competition preps 
is five meals a day of fucking tilapia, which is the mm-hmm. junkiest crappy. I I was telling um, Amory yesterday on a post because her and Natalie were going back and forth, joking about all the tilapia that um, that Amory uses. And I was like, for the record, her body did not get this way because she's fucking yeah. eating tilapia. Right. It's because of consistency and hard work. And if she wants to eat the fucking tilapia because it's easy and it's a low fat protein she source, fine. It, I said, but I have PT. I have tilapia fucking PTSD. I gag. And I can't ever eat that again in life. And it's gross. And like, I don't even want my clients to eat it, but if they mm-hmm. enjoy it, it's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but yeah, it was quite literally, I remember like, it was like four ounces of cooked whitefish mm-hmm. and, um, and I, I don't know, a hundred grams of broccoli or asparagus or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I might've gotten like a quarter cup of oatmeal in the morning yeah. and then I was like, fucking it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So if you count that and then all the binges I had in between, because who can fucking do that for very long? Right. Um, but yeah, so th- that would be our, our typical bro diet, right? So you'll hear things like tilapia thins the skin. No, it fucking doesn't. Right. It's a low fat, high protein fish, but it is quite literally a crap fucking fish. There is no wild caught tilapia. Everything is farmed. It is a shit eating fish. So if that's what you want to fuel your body with, a shit eating fish, then God bless you. Go forth and do great things. Um, but you could also do, you know, there's other low fat protein sources like turkey breast and chicken breast and shrimp and scallops and low fat yogurt. I mean, there's there's lots and lots and lots of options. But, you know, it is cheap. It is easy. So God bless you if you want to eat tilapia. Um, asparagus, you know, it was tilapia and asparagus because tilapia thins the skin. Asparagus gets us mm-hmm. diuretic. So eat the yes. two together and you're going to lean the fuck out and you're going to be amazing on stage. <laughs> right. Um, it was all like no carbs. And then like you get like one carb. I remember I got one carb meal a week, one, and it was a giant bowl of oatmeal, a banana. And I don't know. I think I got to put raisins in there and peanut butter. Like that was my one carb meal a week. And then it was like six days of like tilapia and asparagus and whatever in the fuck. So um, I would say that's what your typical bro diet is. Um, Now, I have had clients who I I believe may be doing a little fuckery. And that's why with their flexible dieting, right? So sometimes if I don't see progress, letting them pick their own foods, Mm -hmm. right? I will often say, you know, we're going to go a little bro for a couple weeks, right? I, so, I mean, I, I do too, because you're removing... I got to take out the variables. Well, you're right. You now have a control in place. Yep. And if I gave you a 1500 calorie diet and you're gaining weight, then, you know, I know that you're not eating on plan. Right. So I recently had a client that was down to 1200 calories a day, gaining, 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 gaining. Nobody gains weight on 1200 calories a day. I don't care who you are unless you have like some massive metabolic syndrome that you should be in the hospital for, Um, you know, and then I put them on a meal plan with 1500 calories a day. Right. And if they follow it strictly, right. Suddenly the weight starts coming off. So, so again, we use that as a um, sort of a test case. Let's take out the variables. If you just eat these things for this, you know, let's try this for a couple of weeks, see how this works out. Then, you know, then we can go forth and, and do great things and stop gaining weight on 1,200 calories a day. Right. right. <laughs> so the other misnomer I think that often happens is people believe they can take a cut and paste or your, your trainer or your buddy at the gym 
who competed once in 1997 with me, apparently. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, maybe 12. Right? Yeah. No, I would have been like 19, maybe. Um, you know, gives you a diet plan for prep. And yep. I absolutely will tell you that I fell victim to that yep. twice. I got a plan. I probably still have it. I got a prep plan. Now, keep in mind, there was no pre-prep situation, right? Nope. Nothing. No. Paid my coach, this is all in air quotes, for a prep plan. It was probably 16 weeks out. It was much like you talked about. It was like egg whites and oats and strawberries in the morning. And then half a cup of tuna fish for a snack. And lunch, I think, was like spinach and the other half a cup of the tuna fish and dinner with chicken breasts and or probably tilapia. I think you could switch that out and asparagus. <laughs> and if you added that up, I bet it was a thousand calories. Mm-hmm. And from the jump at like week 16 or 20, it was cardio 45 minutes twice a day, intense cardio, like mm-hmm. running and then 45 minutes of lifting. Right. Well, keep in mind, there was like, went from like nothing to that. And mm-hmm. then that plan was the same, never got adjusted. There was no yep. adjustment. As long as you were losing weight, nobody gave a shit. Now yep. let's keep in mind, I competed in what was fitness back then, which doesn't even exist anymore. And it was like a bikini light because mm-hmm. there was the routine element. So I guess back then the physique part wasn't, didn't seem quite as important because the whole routine thing is what everybody focused on. Maybe that was the reason. But I also think that the, the intense coaching Definitely who I competed with didn't exist. You got your one plan. And as long as you weren't shit in a bed, you just kept doing that. And if you had trouble, it was like, well, just get back on it kind of thing. So I bring that up for two reasons. One to say, you can't have some dude, you know, at the gym, give you a prep plan. I think it's or chick or chick. Don't have the bikini competitor. Don't have the bikini chick at your gym who looks fucking amazing year, year round. And you know, uh, competed once or twice, and now she's doing prep plans. Right, and the other the other reason I say that is you to have a successful prep, you have to have a coach because you need constant, constant tweaking and changing. Period. Yes, yes, constant. If I if I I had always said that like if I was going to get back on stage someday, which oh by the way I am not. I would 100% hire a coach, you know, even if, Absolutely. even if it was just for like the last eight weeks or something, because, you know, for me, I had the experience. I could fucking do it myself, but I don't want to, because I just don't want to have to think about the variables. And especially as a new competitor, that's the last thing you want to do because you have, because you don't know. And you don't want to just, I cringe every time I have a posing client in the studio. That's like, Oh, my friend at the gym who competed once is doing, mm-hmm. or my, my personal trainer. No, 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 mm-hmm. no, 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 no. All the time. Right? You have to make sure that it's somebody who's one, ex, you know, in, in, experienced with the type of athlete that you are natural. If you're, I don't think anybody who uses performance enhancing drugs listens to our podcast because they know that so, we don't yeah. agree with it. But, you know, if you're using a coach that only understands how to work with a, a ped using, you know, athlete, that, and you're a natural athlete, that's because what they do and what we do is completely not, different. So, not even so the they have to have experience with prep, with all different, you know, if you're a female and this guy's only ever worked with males, probably not a great idea, right? If mm-hmm. you're vice versa, um, you know, so you want to make sure that it's somebody, um, and, and oh, by the way, so the other thing you and I do, right, with prep, so we, 
are making sure that our clients are pooping and sleeping and their stress levels and their water levels and their what's happening in their lives and all of these things. Right. So we're monitoring all the factors. Right. So if, and I'm looking at a client's weight over the course of the week, not just on check-in day, because we all know how weights fluctuate, Mm -hmm. right? So if I have a client in prep and otherwise I do this all, all year long throughout the, all the phases, I got to know if, you know, your weight was 128 last week on Monday's check-in and it's 128 this week on Monday's check-in, but you dip down to like 126 and 125. So your average weight is actually 126. You lost two pounds, right? So I look at the average. I'm not, so you could have fluctuated back up because you, you know, you hadn't pooped yet that day or your period was coming or whatever. Um, So these are all factors that make a difference, right? So that's, you know, these are the types of things that in prep, I mean, out of, in pre-prep, it's, it's, it's important too, but in prep, these things are critical, critical because when clients start to stall in fat loss, we can see, oh, is it a sleep issue? Is it a stress issue? Is it an injury issue? Is it a, I'm not pooping anymore issue? Is it, you know, I, I look at the detailed logs of what my clients are eating, right? Do we need to switch out some of your foods? Like, is, is mm-hmm. there a, a digestion issue happening because some of the foods you decided, cause you started eating fucking mm-hmm. miracle noodles. Don't, eat that fucking shit, people. It's horrible. I don't even know because what it is, but it sounds it's, gross. It's that shirataki eat a fungus that's a noodle because there's no calories in it bullshit. Uh, people would like to is. fill their diets with that. It will fuck your gut up, right? So yeah. Oh, you started filling because we went low carb and you decided to eat sure fucking miracle noodles five times a day to fill your tummy up. Well, now you're not taking a shit. Right. So, so anyway, um, you know, those are the kinds of things, those factors all make a difference. And, you know, experienced coaches will during prep know that, oh, you're not just not losing weight because you're not following my diet plan, right? You're, right. we got to figure out what are all those other factors. Um, and along those lines, since we were talking about the miracle noodles and trying to shove as much volume food into your body as possible, I am a big fan of volume foods mm-hmm. because, right? Salads are great, extra, you know, the veggies, the cucumbers, the zucchini, you know, it's great because volume makes you feel fuller, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of eating some like high calorie, stupid little protein bar, eat a giant salad with some like chicken on it and you'll feel more, you know, satisfied. But there also comes a time when you're trying to fill, do too much of this volume with like Franken foods, uh, like right. miracle noodles and stuff. <laughs> Um, just so you never have to feel hunger pangs and trust me, you will totally fuck yourself up in that respect. Like, yes, have higher volume foods to keep yourself satisfied and for the nutrient factor, but you also are going to be hungry, right? So you have, I always tell people you have to embrace the hunger. Yes. The more you try to fight the hunger, that means you're focused on it. You're thinking about it. My stomach's growling. Mine's actually growling right now and I'm not dieting. So I don't like to be hungry, but if you're in prep, you're going to be fucking hungry. So you have to embrace it. You have to be like, yep, there it is. Hunger again. Hunger is necessary. If you're in a calorie um, deficit to lose body fat, your body will try to convince you you need to eat more because it doesn't actually remember your body wants you to be comfortable. It doesn't want you to lose body fat because it's like, Hey, we kind of like it here. Could you give me some more food, please? So it's going to signal you. You're not dying. You're not going to fucking die you're of hunger. Dying. I promise you this. You're not going to fucking die of hunger, right? So you are going to be hungry. Embrace the hunger and and just stop. don't focus on it constantly. Drink a little extra water. That's great. But here's another thing you don't want to do. Don't drink 50 
carbonated seltzer waters because, again, you're going to get bloated as shit. Your mm-hmm. stomach's going to hurt, right? A little seltzer water now and then is fine. But don't fill your whole day chugging seltzer waters because you're going to feel like crap. Do not, I repeat, do not eat an entire pack of gum every day <laughs> because two things are going to happen. That's about a, an entire pack of gum is about 100 calories. People don't like to track their gum. It's about five calories per stick. If you're a chain gum chewer, right? That's one thing that'll happen. You're not, and okay, so if you do do it, fucking track those calories. It's about 100 calories a pack. And then the other thing is the artificial sweeteners and the constant chewing and gulping of the air from chewing gum that much, again, you're going to get bloated. You're going to get gassy. Your stomach's going to hurt, right? I've had so many clients that as soon as we took out the 50 packs of gum they were eating a week, suddenly weren't bloated and looking like they were yeah. five months pregnant by the end of the day, right? We took out the too many seltzer waters. So so these are things that you have to kind of, you know, people try to fill their diets with because they're hungry and they're trying to avoid the hunger and they end up in a worse situation. Right. And I, I mean, I, I think that that is the number one point. And if you talk to any coaches, it's the number one point. You're, you're going to be hungry. You're supposed to be hungry and it's okay. Embrace right? the suck. I mean, it's okay. Yeah, that's okay. What we talked about in prep that we work, I know I work through with clients a lot, no matter what phase they're in, in pre-prep or just trying to get healthier, is such a misunderstanding between minor discomfort and Mm. a habit and actual hunger. I mean, and I, you know, I started being more aware of it for myself, but I realized how many times I say I'm hungry and that's not really it. It's just, I'm in the habit of eating every three hours. Mm -hmm. I can't even think the last time I've actually been legitimately hungry. And I definitely haven't been hungry to the point of pain for Mm -hmm. a really long time. Right. So there's much different levels of hunger, but most likely in prep, it's a level that you have not experienced unless you've done prep before or, again, been in some other situation, like military situations. I've been hungry because I'm doing something and there's no fucking food, period. But most of us don't, most of us live within, you know, six feet of food at all the time. Right. So it's really, it's a head fuck and it's Mm -hmm. a head fuck that you have to have already mentally worked through and have a plan in place because when it hits you, you can't just wing it. You have to have a, you know, just like if you're an alcoholic, you got to have a plan in place for when alcohol is put in front of you. It's no different in this situation. You have to already have thought through it, have your plan in place Mm -hmm. because what you, you know, right now when you are not hungry, what you think makes sense, you know, will not make sense when you are starving, right? You oh, absolutely. make a lot of bad decisions. Yep. You got to be prepared ahead of time. And, and to add on to the hungry, you're also going to be exhausted, yes. right? And when you're exhausted, you're more hungry. This is how our right. hormones work, right? Um, and you're cold. And when you're cold, you want to eat, you know, it's just like, it's in, and, you know, getting into the leaner you get, right. So we can touch on the hormone things because this is all going to impact the, you know, the hunger and the, the hunger satiety, your, um, you know, for women, you know, they may lose their cycles, their cycles may get sporadic and it's all because body fat, you know, the, the little fat cells, they like, they're the ones that like to control our hormones and, um, they have lots of control over our hormones. And so when fat drops or calories drop and training, training gets, you know, more intense, um, and this happens to men too, their testosterone levels drop women, you know, so everybody ha- gets, a, gets impacted. Um, you know, you'll, you'll know because you're, you're hungry. You, you're probably hungry all the time. You're never satiated. 
mm-hmm. um, you're cold all the time. You can't regulate your body temperature. You, 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 the extreme levels of heat and cold are going to impact you more than usual. You're not going to sleep as well. Um, you know, cortisol will be kind of wonky and wacky. And so everything, all of those things are going to happen, I would say to 95 plus percent of the population, mm-hmm. but only if you're actually getting lean enough. Right. right. So, and that's not right. to say that somebody who keeps their period through the, through an entire prep did never get lean enough, but I would say they're, they're the very rare person. Well, and that always makes me laugh if I talk to somebody in prep and they're like, you know, I say like, how do you feel? I feel great. Oh my like, God. Yes. Okay, then we're not there. Then no. we're not there. <laughs> like if, if, look, and I'm not saying that there aren't people who can, you know, have PRs in prep and increase weights in prep and have energy in prep. There are those people, but nine times out of 10, especially if the end of prep, the end of prep, not yes. the beginning of prep, the end of prep, they shouldn't be telling me how amazing they feel, how much energy they have, how well, right? right? They're so right? Like I'm, I'm getting a PR unless they have like, you know, we just had a refi day. Right. So, right. you know, unless, unless it's something along those lines, right? Like I, I, I fully expect that you should be reporting some level of misery. <laughs> I mean, a, a significant level of misery. I know, yeah. I know I myself, like in the recent, I think you and I had a conversation probably in the last year that I, I don't know why I decided to do this, but I dropped, I just dropped carbs down and kind of forgot I had done it. And within three days, I thought I was dying of cancer. <laughs> and I think I remember telling you, like, I'm, there's something wrong. There's no way. I, and I think you said, like, well, did you drop your carbs lower? I was like, oh, that's right. So uh, you, at the end, should feel like you're dying because you are a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you're dying, I mean, you're dying you're, a little bit. <laughs> you're, you're sort of dying a little bit inside. And, but also to your point, to just point out, because people are like, oh, yeah, you know, the carbs. Look, and the reason why I... I recognize that in you is because your some your a your body thrives on carbohydrates. I'm a carbivore. Unless you're a carbivore. <laughs> I'm a I'm a proteinivore, right? So I can go extremely low carbs and it does not mm-hmm. impact me. Nope. But I knew that about you, right? So for for me if I went too low in protein, my body's going to fucking revolt, right? Like so for me I'm a little more protein fat. Um, you know, I, I, my body tends to, but I think I'm very, also very metabolically flexible. I can have high carbs, low carbs, high fat, low fat, you know, like those things, at least at this point. Um, but I knew, you know, so again, everybody's body's going to respond differently. I have some clients yeah. that thrive on low carb, you know, they do feel great on low carbs and sure. higher fat, but that's again, the benefit of having a coach that understands, understands your body and is tracking all of those things. So well, yeah. And somebody to flat and somebody honestly to monitor things to flag if something has gone too far. Right. Because people left to their own devices are left to a shitty coach, which we've said there's a lot of people out there pretending like they're coaches who should not be, but you can hurt yourself. Yes. Right? You can do permanent damage. Absolutely. And you kill yourself. You know, I know it's not a practice now, but back in the day, the practice of cutting water and cutting sodium and that's how people died. When you hear stories of bodybuilders who die, which well, I mean, we'll talk about that more in the peak week but, episode. But yes, but you know, any any type, of, there can be extremes that go absolutely too far. Absolutely. We are saying, you know, prep is going to be a period of time of a lot of extremes. But you can do things that are dangerous, and all the more reason to learn how to do it properly and to have some oversight and coaching through the process, right? And, you know, the mental aspect of it, like, like you mentioned before, it's a mind fuck. 
Mm-hmm. This entire thing is going to be a mind fuck. You're going to be rolling along, maybe losing weight, you know, steadily, and then you're not, and then you're going to, you know, it's this up oh, and yeah. down roller coaster of like, I feel great. I feel like shit. I, I'm rocking the world right now. My body looks fantastic. Oh my God, I'm too skinny. Oh my God, I'm too fat. Oh my God, I'm never going to make it. Oh my God, it's too far away. Yeah. Oh my God. And you might have For all sure. these feelings in the terms of a week, a day, a fucking right. five minutes, Every, right? Yeah. Minute one, you're like, I'm on top of the world. Minute two, you're like, fuck, I need a nap, right? It's just right. like, yep. this is what prep is like. It is ups and downs and valleys and peaks and highs and lows. And you may have weeks of lows and you may have a week of highs, yeah. right? So you, the mind fuck is for real. Like right. you've got to be mentally tough to do this. But honestly, it's the thing I personally love the most about the sport because that's, it's that like, holy shit, I overcame that hunger. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. I was able to get through my workout, even though <laughs> I was, I had a fasting day yesterday, right? Or, or the, you know, whatever that you're able to push, you're able to stay consistent, that you're able to do it, do what you need to do day in and day out. You don't get to be like, I'm too fucking tired. I'm not going to work out today. Right. That, that doesn't exist in prep. Right. So so these are things like just doing day in and day out. And one thing I'll say with the day in and day out that I try to get clients to understand is focus on the day in and day out. Focus on every single day, optimizing everything you can do to reach your goal. Don't spend too much time focused on the end goal because all, if all right. you're doing is, what am I going to look like on stage? What's my stage weight going to okay. be? When's oh. the stage going to get here? Stage, stage, stage. You're going to you're gonna lose sight of all the things you could be doing in right. that day-to-day that would, that's going to make you the best on stage. Right. So if all you are focused on is, I got to be the best on stage, I got to win first place, I got to be the whatever the fuck, right. and you're not focusing on, I got to track every bite that goes in my mouth. I got to hit every rep with intensity. I got to make sure that I'm in the right heart rate zone for my cardio. I got to get my 10K steps in a day to stay extra active. You're going to miss that, miss those things. And then you're not going to be the best that you can be on stage. And you're going right. to blow your mind up in the process because you're going to stress yourself out about it. Well, and I, I think you'd probably agree a lot of where things do go wrong with clients is when they get super obsessive over the scale, that oh. becomes the factor that they're trying to achieve or super obsessed about Instagram pictures of some person they've never <gasps> fucking met. The who, comparisons. The comparison of p- people they don't even know, right? And start to get really down on themselves. Instead well, this of person's six weeks out and I'm six weeks right. out. Why don't I look like them? Yes. Because you're kill not me, them. Kill me now. Yep. Right. And so that picture is what... probably not real. Right. <laughs> right. So forget about the fact that you are completely and totally 100% not that person, right? You don't have right. their genetics. You don't know how long they've been training. You don't know what what supplements they use. You don't know what diet they're on. You don't know anything about this motherfucking person other than what they want you to see on Instagram. Right. And it's probably not a real picture anyway. So right. stop. That's not, that I would say that's probably one of the number one things we want to make sure clients don't do. Do not yeah. compare, compare, compare to anybody on our team. You know, uh, teammates, oh, yeah. don't we compare yourselves. Don't compare yourselves to Joe Schmo Schmuckadoo on Instagram or, you know, whoever the fuck that, you know, stop it. And if it's too much, turn the shit off. Right. Put your fucking blinders on, get the fuck off and leave it be. Get into your own little world, focus on you and being the absolute very best that you can be on stage because that's all you can do. It's all you're going to be able to control. To your point, the more energy that you're spending on that nonsense, you're distracting yourself from what you actually Need, need to, to do. do. Absolutely. Yeah. I tell you people know? that. Like, stop. Mm-hmm. 
And even the the constant negative feelings, right? The constant like right. obsessing over the scale and obsessing over this. I hate Take that. all of that energy you're spent. We talk about energy management and a lot of our other podcasts because it's so important, right? So it's controlling your, the environment around you. It's controlling your own mind. It's take that energy. You're focusing on all these fucking things that don't make a difference don't matter. and focus it on the shit that's going to make a difference. Prepping your meals, getting your sleep, making right. sure every gram of whatever the fuck goes in your mouth is logged, right? These are the things that are important. So leave all that other shit alone. 100%. So did we, have we, is there anything that we probably, any, did we touch no, on? No, you know, everything? I just think, I, I know we talked about a lot of negative or difficult, like how hard this is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that is all absolutely factual. It but I, I think it's good to leave this with the point that 80% of people who start prep with us make it through. That's, I, that's not a calculated number, but a good majority of people, if they went through pre-prep, did what they were supposed to do, we have them in the place they need, need to be, barring any external factors, because can you hear a child singing? I- is that singing or is that like, it sounded like a scream that went on for like a minute and I was like, good lungs. It's like a sing scream. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm not sorry. Sure. And that kid's alone in a room somewhere. So who knows? <laughs> in her padded room. <laughs> in the padded room that I need to soundproof apparently. Yeah, clearly. Um, but don't be discouraged if this is something that you want to do because 80% of clients we get to the stage. Some wash out. Absolutely. Some wash out because of shit that just happened, right? Like a family matter or health matter, or a, you got two weeks in, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore, yep. which is totally yep. fine. You, some, some, we can't get there. Right. And we move the show back and move the show back until the point where we realize this is just not good for anybody. Because right? so as I will tell everybody, if I didn't mention it in the first one, and maybe I'll mention it in every single one of these, just because you can, does not mean you should. Not everybody's right. body is cut out for this sport. Right. This right. sport is for everyone. Anybody can do it. But just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? right. So you, you have to have that own sort of self-awareness that like, is this really the right thing for me? Does my right. bo- is my body ever really going to look like that? Or am I willing to put in the work or the time or the whatever? So, right. um, but yeah, there is so much, I mean, look, I, I always feel like people, I'm like, when I consult with clients, I kind of go run through all that negative stuff. Right. And then I say, if everything I said, it may sound like I'm trying to convince you not to do this. And the reality is that's exactly what I'm doing. Right. Exactly. But if at the end of this conversation, you're feeling like, Oh my God, that sounds like the biggest challenge I could ever undertake. I cannot wait to do it. Let's, let's go. And if that's your feeling, then, then, then you're probably cut out to do it. Right. Right. But if I went through all that and you're like, mm, 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 or you're running, mm. you know, you're running a list in your head of ways you can try to cut around it. All the, I want to compete, but all, like, yep. so we did that whole podcast on, I want to compete, but right. listen to that. Go back and listen to that one. I forget what episode it is, but go back and listen because if that's the list, right? All that I want to mm-hmm. compete, but I don't want to do this or I don't want to be hungry. I don't want right. to be tired. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be, yeah, I, wanna, I don't want to cut out. I only want to, I only want to work out three days a week and I still want to go out to eat all the time and I still want right. to have peace with my husband. Yeah. So 
listen to that one, then come back and listen to this one again. <laughs> right. right. Exactly right. But you, like you said, yeah, once somebody clears all those hurdles and we start the prep process with them legitimately, the majority of people make it to the end goal. Yep. So and they have an courage. amazing time, right? Yes. So they, this, and we'll talk about this, the peak week and the stage when we, when we get to the next, um, the next episode in the series, but but you truly, I mean, it's life altering. Like it's the, the lessons you learn about yourself, like how strong you are mentally and physically mm-hmm. and the challenges you overcome in a prep will change your life forever. It is shit that you will take with you. Mm-hmm. Even when you hang up your heels or you hang up your posing trunks and you never compete again, the lessons you learn about yourself will translate into every aspect of your yes. life. I have watched some of the most amazing mental transformations in my clients, which to me are so much more, um, it's, it, it means so much more to me than the physical. I love yeah. to watch a body change. I love a beautiful body on stage. Don't get me wrong. But knowing, um, you know, some of the mental changes, you know, clients have, have got the tra- the mental transformations they've gone through in a prep, man, does that get, just yeah. get me, get me all in the feels. That's my favorite part of the thing. Yes, really absolutely. Yep. All right. So I think we've beat this to death and I have to pee like crazy. So, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, so that's, I think kind of cutting in a nutshell and prep in a nutshell, obviously there's a lot more details that go into that, but we cannot, you know, we can never give you a podcast. That's like, everybody should eat this many carbs. There's no such thing. No, Mm -mm. I can't tell you your, I can't don't, I I can't tell you how much cardio you're going to do. I can't tell you mm-hmm. how low your calories are going to get. Right. I can't tell you how you're going to feel. I can't tell you any of that stuff. These are all generalizations about what a prep is like for most people, mm-hmm. right? Um, make sure you work with a reputable coach to right. help you understand those things and what you need as an individual athlete, right? Um, and yeah, and then yeah. that's that's that. That's, that's that. It's that. easy as that. Easy. It's that it's easy. So, so it really easy. Is. And just do what the fuck you need to do and stop complaining. <laughs> and wear a mask. <laughs> wear a mask. Oh my God. <laughs> so it's actually timely. We're doing this episode. So we're finally, so real quick before we log off, you know, next week is the first peak weeks yes. of the season. Of 2020. The first peak weeks for our clients yeah. of 2020. We have two athletes hitting the stage on August 8th in New Jersey. God willing, that show still happens. I'm still day-to-day not sure what the fuck is happening. As of right now, it's happening. They will get their peak week plans a little bit later this week. I'm, I'm doing final check-ins with them this week and next week. And they are, you know, Nancy and Anne-Marie, they are ready to roll. They're going to both do amazing. Their first ever bikini shows, both women, um, 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be fucking phenomenal. I'm super stoked um, to finally get some athletes on stage. Even though they're going to be wearing masks that match their suit. Shout out to Kira with Mandela Costumes. If uh, If you need a suit for stage... Or even a practice suit, but she's making matching masks because I think it's so cool. Yep, they have to wear masks on stage, so she's making them matching masks to go with their suits. So it'll look cool. We'll put we'll have pictures out, of course. Oh, absolutely! Probably the same week this comes out would probably be the same time. So yes, yes, I believe so. I don't know. You'll find out. You'll find out. Who knows? Nobody. Nobody knows. This one will be the week after. Okay, so we yep. will definitely have pictures. So go look at the pictures that were posted last week. 
<laughs> go back and look at pictures. All right. All so, right. Awesome. Um, that's it for today. Don't get weird. Use your head. It'll all be okay. Bye. Bye.